Just give us one hour, and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of sustainable well-being, human flourishing, and, of course, happiness. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. We are headed into a holiday weekend. We are celebrating American Independence Day. And that means many things to many people. But one of the greatest founding tenets of our country is the concept of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And with that comes also a notion in my estimation and that of my guests, I know you will agree, of responsibility, a responsibility to pursue our happiness in the world through giving back as one of those means. And my first guest is former Congressman Marty Russo. And you'll hear from his accent that he hails from the great town of Chicago, Illinois. He grew up in an Italian family where he learned the value of hard work and getting an education. Marty is an attorney, of course, and he has spent decades as a congressman. After leaving Congress, he went into the lobbying profession and quickly rose to become CEO of one of the most powerful firms in Washington. Marty's now in his third career. I love that third career. <laughs> and <laughs> it's terrific. And you give back, Marty, by speaking and lecturing on how to make a positive difference in our democracy by getting involved. And this is what I love about you. It's about teaching us how to be our own best lobbyists. Welcome, Marty Russo. 
Well, Lisa, great to be here. Just hearing your intro music makes me very happy. So I'm I'm all juiced up right now. Well, and you you present that way to the world. Everybody that knows you and has had the pleasure of your company knows that the way you approach the world is very inclusive. Um, you're switched on. You're paying attention, and these are the qualities that a make great leadership, but also uh, make for the possibilities of great change. Well, you know, at this time of the year when we're dealing with the Declaration of Independence, because it's the 4th of July, it's a good time for us just to sit back and, and take stock of what's really good about our country. And when you mentioned at the beginning, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know, Jefferson basically got the idea based on an English philosopher named John Locke, who wrote that people have a natural right to life, liberty, and property. And Jefferson changed that word property, the pursuit of happiness. Mm. And so no matter how many times the declaration was rewritten, those three words survived all the redrafting. And so it's a really kind of very important part of our declaration of independence and for which our constitution was based on. And this concept of freedom is one that I believe that many of us Americans often take for granted because we assume that it is part of who we get to be as Americans. It is a very precious commodity. Well, Lisa, when you look back in 1776, the definition of happiness was defined differently than it is today. Those great political thinkers in the 18th century tied the the concept of happiness to civic responsibility. In fact, uh, Justice Kennedy said in one of his lecture series uh, that the framers of the Constitution, that happiness meant the feeling of self-worth and dignity you acquire by contributing to your community and to its civic life. And this very much ties into your life, your career, and, and most definitely the, the, the third career or the, or the next chapter in your life, you know, this concept of giving back, of advo- uh, advocating for um, our beliefs as individuals and how we as individuals can go out in the world and lobby for what we believe is good and true and fair and right and actually affect change within the government. Well, I'll never forget when I was out in in Arizona, I thought one of the most important questions I was asked was by a gentleman there that said to me, uh, but, you know, we're like David fighting Goliath. And when I tried to point out to him, because the Goliath was all this big money being spent by all these interest groups and, and all supposedly these lobbyists who have all this control that they really don't, but there's a lot of big money being involved. And I said, you know what? You know, David can beat Goliath. And how David beats Goliath is by getting involved in the electoral process. So when you get out to vote or get people to register to vote or you knock on the door of your neighbor and ask them, would you help me support such and such a candidate? That's David beating Goliath because all the money is really spent on is advertising. And by the end of the campaign, most people are tired of advertising, but they never get tired of their neighbor knocking on their door and asking him to help in an election because that makes them feel good and makes the neighbor feel good. 
And, and this goes back to the Declaration of Independence definition of happiness is more about the individual's contribution to society rather than that pursuit of self-gratification. It's about how we can be stronger collectively, you know, when we are fighting for the greater good or advocating for the greater good than our own individual pursuit. Well, one of the things you said earlier is about big change. And the big change in American life was a revolutionary war where we sought our independence from England and won the war to do it. And there were two interesting individuals that were involved in that revolutionary period. One was Thomas Jefferson. The other was John Adams. And they were completely opposite people, but they got to be very close because they worked together to achieve what is known as the greater good by gaining independence from England. So they really worked hard together in pursuit of happiness because the way they view their happiness is what was for the 13 original colonies to be independent, form their own country, and create something that was basically unheard of since the Roman days, and that was a federal republic. And when you look at modern politics and you look at all the, the rabble-rousing and discord that goes on in our government, this concept of truly being bipartisan, to, to work together on um, salient topics that, that mean something to us, that yield a, a greater good is important. And it doesn't always happen because we st get stuck as individuals in our positions or our party lines. Well, let's look back to the revolutionary period. You know, after George Washington retired as president of the United States, John Adams was elected president. He beat Thomas Jefferson in 1796. Jefferson was his vice president. Jefferson so much disagreed so much with, with John Adams what John Adams wanted to do and the policies he wanted to push forward, that he packed his bags and went home to Monticello. That was not a very happy person. <laughs> and, no. and, and Jefferson spent the next four years as vice president causing trouble for John Adams. So, so here are these individuals, when they were fighting to gain independence, were close allies. And once the time to govern, they both had two different ideas of how to govern. And then in the long run, they became bitter enemies. And for 12 years, they never spoke to each other. And then in 1812, they decided that they're going to exchange letters and renew their friendship and starting being happy again. And the key here was when they began debating the issues in their letters, not their personalities, things worked out. And, and therein lies the lesson. We are going to go to a break in a minute. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Representative Marty Russo to learn about how we can be our own best lobbyists, how we can affect change within our government from a grassroots level as, as one individual that has an idea of how to, how to change something, how to advocate for a group, a purpose, or a campaign. To learn more about Marty Russo, you can visit www.russo capitalstrategies.com. Once again, that's Russo, R-U-S-S-O, capitalstrategies.com. Marty, I have a question for you. This is sort of an aside because we have a few seconds before the break comes. How will you celebrate Independence Day this year? Well, I'll be celebrating with my family. 
I'm very fortunate. I have both my boys and their wives and my five grandchildren live within five blocks of me. So we'll get together and pursue happiness all day long in a swimming pool, cooking burgers and chicken and having a good old time. Beautiful. And I will be on a kayak in the ocean um, out at the Channel Islands. I'm going on an adventure. (laughs) So this is how I will celebrate Independence Day, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with uh, Representative Marty Russo. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, and we are talking about celebrating life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Here come those tunes, and we will return. I wanted to make a difference I wanted to fight We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast on iTunes. Why? Because it's kind, it's free, it's legal, it's available 24-7. And we are talking about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness with Representative Marty Russo. And we're doing so in the context of ushering in our July 4th celebration in America, celebrating Independence Day. Marty, we talked about during the break this notion of how our founding fathers were able to work it out, to work out their differences and operate in a government um, with probably more harmony than we do today in modern politics. Why? What what, what do you think is the reason? Well, uh, I don't think there was much harmony back then. Uh, I think they, you know, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists had their their battles about what this government was to look like. 
And the good thing about it all is that they debated the issues. You know, Hamilton and Madison wrote as the fed, representing the Federalists, and they used so many different surnames that were used as anti-Federalists. But the overall goal was to make the country work. But they came from different views, and they battled it out pretty strongly and, until they realized, look, these Articles of Confederation isn't working. We need to get together and do something about amending the Articles of Confederation. And when they ended up in Philadelphia in 1787, they came up with a constitution uh, that we have today, which supports a very strong central government. But at the same token, because of the Bill of Rights, which was added to the constitution, there's a tremendous amount of protection for civil liberties. I, I, maybe the words I use—the word I used—harmony is 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 strong and inappropriate. Well, I think what I meant was keeping the eyes on the prize. That the yeah. the um, the object or the um, the goal was to create a government that worked, that protected the people, that offered uh, certain liberties and rights, and everybody paid attention to that goal as opposed to how their own personal agendas fit in the goals and the lines that divided them. Yes, they were there, of course. Everybody had the different opinions, different parties, different uh, agendas, but the the end game was, was mutual. And, and as I pointed out earlier, when Jefferson and Adams began to debate the issues of the time and not the person, they were able to work things out. And even though they may have disagreed, they were able to put in letters, about 158 letters over a 14-year period, about what they thought the government should look like, what it could do, and, and, and laying the groundwork for those of us who came after them. The, today, they need to get back to debating Issues, not personalities. And that's what we have the biggest problem today is we're not really debating issues. All we do is we just attack everybody's personality. And I think that's a huge mistake. That's the wrong way to go. I agree with you, and this is one of the powerful messages that you presented in your talk at the Sleep and Wellness Conference in Arizona, where we happened to to meet. And you talk about how when we are able to have discourse on our issues, you know, the, our beliefs, when we can really um, get into the heart of the matter and begin to hear one another's position, we can affect change. That it is getting into that divisive, nitpicky, he said, she said um, uh, sphere that we take our eyes away from the prize. Well, look, first of all, you need to, to establish trust with people. You need to um, debate the issues and have a relationship. One of the things that I talked about is how can we be our own lobbyists? And there's three major keys to that. You have to have relationships. People have to trust you and believe in you. You have to have expertise and knowledge, and you have to be flexible. One of the big things that's missing today is relationships. The, the relationships between different members of Congress, the House, the Senate, and the White House are very strained. It, it, you know, it, years ago, we could disagree on the issue, but we also can agree to be disagreeable. But in the end, we work for the greater good. So in the end, when we accomplish the purposes we want to accomplish, we're 
Oh, we're pursuing happiness. We we did it for the greater good of the country, not for any political party, not for any personal aggrandizement. We did it for the for the good of the country. And so what we need to get back to is that members of Congress need to have a relationship with each other. And the, the, the concept of uh, giving back, of p- pursuing happiness for the greater good is one that it is your mission. It's the mission at this point in your life and helping others learn how to do this. And one of the ways that I learned from you is to go to your congressman, meet your congressman. The congressman is there to serve his or her constituents. There's no question that you need you need to get to know your elected officials, whether it's a state rep, state senator, member of Congress, member of the U.S. Senate. You need to develop a relationship with him or her and their staffs and let them know your passion about what you care, what you care about and, and what you're willing to do. And you're willing to help them work with them and move an issue forward. Uh, and it's always better to to meet the member before you ever want to ask the member for anything. It's better to develop that relationship. You know, go to the Rotary Club or go to the local chamber of Congress meetings where, they, where they're where they at or meet them during a parade or some event that they're – if they have a town hall meeting. Get to know them. Let them know how much you care about the issue that means the most to you. And because basically – that's essentially what campaigns do. They they focus on issues. They get people involved. And um, I think it's important. I mean, relationships make a big difference in life, period. Absolutely. And, of course, if you look at positive psychology, the science of human flourishing and well-being, which is the angle that I approach this from, is that that the ability to connect with another person, to have these good, personal, intimate relationships is the basis for our personal happiness. And then from that place of personal well-being, it is very easy to make the gradual progression and the next steps to focusing on the greater good. No, I couldn't agree with you more, Lisa. It's exactly, uh, you know, once we feel good about what we're doing and how we're helping other people, there's a twofer there. You feel good about it because you're pursuing something that, that that's your passion and, you, and, you're, and you're helping people at the same time. So how much better could it be? You're doing great things for your community. At the same token, you're feeling good about what you're doing, uh, you know. One of the things that that really makes me feel good, usually at the end of my talks, someone will come up to me and say something to me like, by the way, you know, now that that you mentioned what you say, I'm going to go talk to my congressman and I'm going to get involved in these issues. And that's one of the things that makes me feel really good. I feel very happy that I've actually touched somebody. But that person also feels real good because now all of a sudden they're energized and they're going to do something and by them doing that, they're going to energize somebody else. It's a ripple effect. You start one way and, and, and it spreads throughout the entire community. So, you know, you can make a difference. You can move a mountain. You may not do it in a week, but you can move it. I, I agree. I absolutely agree. And you inspired me to do that, to, uh, to get more involved. I never thought of myself as a political person. I thought of myself as somebody who believes strongly in uh, helping others, in serving, in making a difference in my own 
uh, own special and sometimes quiet ways. But it was you who brought to my attention, no, 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 you need to get out there and make some noise with the work that you do. And we're talking about the work that I do with veterans. And um, I am doing just that, that you inspired me to, to take that step. And I think that that is one of the many gifts that you can give to others is to inspire them to take action, to view the government um, in a different way, more as the ally than as the enemy. Remember, we are the government. That's what people have to understand. We are the government. When you look at the First Amendment to the Constitution, you know, we have all these freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom to assemble. But the, one of the biggest freedoms in that First Amendment is the right to petition your government for redress of grievances. That's all of us being a lobbyist. That's actually the definition of a lobbyist. And we are all lobbyists. We are all trying to do something that's bigger than, your, than ourselves. We're trying to make a difference in not only other people's lives, but in the country's uh, path of, uh, for the future. So unless we get involved, we're not going to change anything. Change doesn't happen by sitting back in your chair and complaining about, oh, that politician is this, that politician is that. I'm not going to get involved. That's the worst thing you can do. The best thing to do is let whatever the problem is energize you to get you rolling and start getting people involved. And then the snowball starts. It does. And, and if we approach life that, um, that happiness just happens, that our success just happens by some fall in the lap syndrome, we will never get there. That it is in the action, it is in the journey that creates the happiness, that creates the change, that the, the end goal is, um, is only interesting uh, because it's the journey that makes it worthwhile. Lisa, you're right on just imagine all the difficulties that we've had in civil rights legislation and social uh, social issues that have made major changes to be started in the 40s and the 50s. And you looked at it and people would have just said, well, this is not going to change. I'm going to give up. Where would you be today as a country? Look at the major changes that we've had in our society in the last 50 years. It just goes to show, yeah, it goes to show you that. We can do it if we put it together. And I think the listeners need to use the 4th of July to appreciate the freedoms that we have. Go out there and help somebody. Do something in your community as a way of saying, thank you, God, for letting me part of such a wonderfully great country that has given me so much. I agree. Let's, um, how can one declare his or her own independence and exercise these rights beyond what you've just mentioned to make the world a better and happier place. We're almost out of time, so I want to send our listeners off with their um, Independence Day marching orders from Marty Russo, our marching <laughs> suggestions. <laughs> well, here, here's my march. Work with your neighbors on community issues. You know, uh, if there's a public meeting that's discussing issues that are important, go to the meeting. Volunteer to help others. Um, you know, get involved in getting people to register to vote. I mean, that's an important right that we have. You know, we tend to take that for granted. People all over the world have, you know, they're giving up their lives for that. We don't have to do that anymore. And, and get involved in the campaign. See what it's like. Be part of what, it doesn't matter what politics you have. Just get involved and see what it's like. Wonderful. Marty Russo, thank you. Thank you from the fullness of my heart. Happy Independence Day. To learn more about Marty Russo, please visit RussoCapitalStrategies.com. Once again, that's RussoCapitalStrategies.com.
strategies. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. Happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to Excel on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness. Happiness, because happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast because we are talking about celebrating Independence Day and this notion of the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. And my second guest today is Ambassador Douglas Kamek. Doug is the Professor of Constitutional Law and Caruso Family Chair at Pepperdine University. He is a retired ambassador of Malta and appointed by President Barack Obama. He's a legal scholar, diplomat, of course, author, and he is focused on constitutional and human rights law. In addition, he has made a recent bid for Congress. Welcome, Doug, and, and, and I'm so thrilled that you've come back to see us. Well, it's great to, to be on the show again. And uh, uh, especially because it gives me a chance to reflect on all the things you just mentioned, uh, which uh, has been a busy six months or so, uh, including uh, lots of good students uh, in terms of teaching, but also meeting a great many people that I would not have met uh, had I not uh, decided to see what it's like to run for Congress, uh, especially to run for Congress where you're not uh, necessarily uh, on the uh, receiving end of a large uh, amount of money. So uh, I wanted to see if Mr. Smith could still go to Washington. And I, I am eager to, to learn more about the journey because I uh, have tracked your journey. Uh, I received uh, an email many months ago. I think it was written in the middle of the night, which I think is probably when you do some of your best writing talking about your decision, and I would love for you to share with the listeners, because it's inspiring, really. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, it, uh, you, you can't teach the Constitution without uh, falling in love with it in some respects, because it, is, um, uh, it was meant to be a statement, said Madison, of who we were, of what we could be when we were our, at our very best, and how we could prevent uh, ourselves from uh, falling into the uh, 
worst habits. Uh, and uh, so um, having done that for fo- almost 40 years in the classroom, uh, I decided to see what this uh, process was like. And I had been uh, concerned that others have been raising for many years, and that is uh, uh, especially as the Supreme Court has issued a number of rulings that take the limits off of spending with regard to political campaigns, what that means for the average person uh, and what that means in terms of democratic participation. Because the whole idea of our republic, said uh, Franklin early on, was to include more and more people in the decision-making so that we were moving from uh, a culture and a society prior to the existence of America where it was the king speaking that determined everything. Lex rex loquens was the Latin, the law is the king speaking, to uh, at least at the time of the founding, white males, and then expanding to African-American citizens and women, uh, and breaking down barriers of all kind. And yet, at, in modern times, we sort of, uh, taking our eye off the Supreme Court ball, as it were, uh, have allowed uh, various cases to suggest that corporations can give unlimited sums, and uh, as long as they're expending those sums without the direction of the candidate himself. And even most recently in this term, where the aggregate limits that Congress had established for giving to all candidates have been found to be unconstitutional, what that means is is that when I stepped off the, the, uh, or stepped into the uh, arena, as Theodore Roosevelt called it some time ago, all of the consultants said, well, Professor, you're going to need a million and a half dollars to be competitive in this race. And I said, nope, that can't possibly be right, uh, because that would mean that uh, a whole lot of people who work very hard and whose voices have to be heard uh, wouldn't be able to run uh, for Congress. And and they said, well, no, that's just the reality. Uh, And I'm not sure if, if a million is the sum, but I can tell you that the about the $20,000 that I raised, which came, you know, from people who work very hard for their money, um, wasn't enough uh, to get the uh, to get the message out. Uh, and um, we need to actually think about that now as a republic, as to whether or not there's ways in which that message uh, can get out without having to raise these funds and be in the pockets of uh, very uh, wealthy and affluent uh, influences in the United States. So what I hear you saying is that that part of the journey for you was really uh, uncovering this notion that public office is reserved for the rich. That unless you're able to raise those money as, or have them yourself to uh, properly jump into the ring, you're, you're never going to get your voice completely heard. Right. Uh, you know, because you think, at least I thought, uh, uh, that there are all sorts of uh, just venues waiting to be heard from, uh, waiting to uh, hear from uh, prospective candidates for Congress. You think of the League of Women Voters, you think of uh, PBS and other radio 
and television programs, or you think of just community forums, and yet none of those things exist, uh, in, in, uh, I found, uh, except one, there was one arranged event by, very thoughtfully arranged event by California Lutheran University and uh, the Acorn newspapers out in the, in the uh, district of which I was running from, and that was superb. It was attended by about 200 people. It was probably watched by another 50 people, um, you know, on the Internet. Uh, but that was the only actually uh, organized event, and the rest uh, of the message was dependent upon how much money you had for radio ads or TV ads or newspaper ads. And those are very, very expensive in a market like Los Angeles. And... Uh, uh, quite frankly, if, if, you, if you didn't have the money, you weren't going to be, your voice wasn't going to be heard. Now, the other factor that uh, I was testing, Lisa, was uh, the role of political parties, because we've got a situation in Washington now, you may have noticed, where the red and the blue don't like to talk to each other, <laughs> and when they get in the same room, they restate their separate positions, and... Uh, and, and really don't see the other side. They don't work for common ground. Uh, they don't try and address um, the, the problems that uh, are really quite profound at the moment in terms of the economy. Um, you know, I, there are people who have run out of unemployment compensation benefits in our community going back to last Christmas. And because Congress can't agree uh, on the wording of the measure, Benefits haven't been extended. Um, there's an immigration bill that is very much needed to address the abuses uh, in the immigration system, which are dividing families, uh, which are allowing for, um, uh, to some degree, unfair practices, harassment practices, and so forth out in the fields. And the Senate has passed it, and yet the House won't take it up. And so I decided that it didn't seem to me that the political parties were doing their their work, so I was going to run as an independent uh, as, as a way of saying to both of them, look, we can find the best idea and put it forward. It doesn't matter whether it's passed by a Republican or a Democrat. It just matters as to whether or not it's improving the life and well-being of our neighbors. Um, and I think that message really did resonate well when it could be heard, but again, Without the resources, not very many heard it. And how does one raise their voices? You know, we're, we're, the, we're focusing on Independence Day. We're coming up on the celebration of really one of our uh, momentous American holidays. And I often reflect uh, during this time on the, the, the freedoms that I am afforded, the liberties that I as an American have. And, that, and with that comes responsibility to pay it forward, to, uh, to make my environment, my world a better place. How does the average American do that when playing in an arena or fighting in an arena, if you will, that you've just described, where money is what talks? Well, I think we're not going to be able to solve that problem until we correct a bit of Supreme Court jurisprudence. One of the things we do celebrate on the 4th of July is the First Amendment, and the First Amendment protects both freedom of speech and 
freedom to worship. Uh, and it's those two pillars of, uh, of, uh, of liberty were essential, said the founders, to uh, discovering who we were, what our potential was, and, and contributing uh, to as good a life as we could make for ourselves and our children. Um, right this moment, the Supreme Court has a body of law that says it's entirely inappropriate, as it is, for government to censor speech on the basis of content. It's just simply, we know what happens in a society where it's, uh, a government starts to censor. Look at what's happening in Egypt. Um, the, the, the views of people that are inconsistent with the military strongman who has asserted uh, the claim to the presidency are being put in jail. Uh, yesterday, uh, three reporters uh, sentenced um, because their reporting was alleged to be biased in favor of the party against the military strongman, Mr. El-Sisi, who has asserted power in the government. Um, this, is, this is not American. That's not the American way. That's not what we, uh, what we do. Uh, and uh, by virtue of that, we have to protect the freedom of speech. But here's where an error crept in. The, con the court said money is speech. Well, money is really not speech, but if you call it speech, you can't limit it any more than you can limit um, the content of speech. Uh, you shouldn't limit the content, but you should limit the money because money is really a megaphone. Uh, not so much uh, a the speech itself, and you can regulate megaphones uh, because they can be too loud or too soft. And uh, until we get that basic point cleared up, we're going to have a, a bad set of laws with respect to the monies that can be spent in the congressional campaign. We are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Ambassador Douglas Kamek and talking about... Um, self-advocacy, how we can affect change in our government, and what needs to happen um, to make government work moving forward for future generations. To learn more about Douglas Kamek, you can visit www.kamek2014.com. Again, again, that's K-M-I-E-C-2014.com. On Twitter, it's Doug Kamek, and on Facebook, Ambassador Kamek, but it's abbreviated as A-M-B-K-M-I-E-C. Here come the tunes. We will be right back to carry on our conversation. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. 
Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast on iTunes because we're talking about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as we approach American Independence Day. And my guest, Douglas Kamek, who is a professor of constitutional law and Caruso Family Chair in Constitutional Law at Pepperdine University, as well as a former ambassador, and he being the ambassador to Malta. He was appointed by President Barack Obama. And he recently has run for Congress, and he did it for multiple reasons. You know, being a curious man, being a teacher and a leader, there were uh, many things that brought him to this journey. And I'll just step aside and let him talk about it, because in the context of teaching government to young people, to students, there's no better way than to actually live through the process, which you did. Uh, there really isn't a better way. I've I've always found that uh, these experiences or frolics, as I've called them, uh, when I've taken leave from my senses, I guess, but or actually taken leave from the classroom uh, to go out and work in government, have always paid enormous dividends for the clarity of instruction and just for exciting people about the uh, to be passionate about ideas. And in this particular case. As we spoke before in the last segment, I wanted to test a number of propositions. Number one, is it possible for the average citizen, the average working man or woman, to participate directly uh, in uh, in their government? And uh, the uh, the of course uh, it is possible to participate, but it required uh, it required, according to the consultants, a great deal of money. Let me just, practically, let me just say, I I did get on the ballot with, uh, you know, uh, with just about $20,000, which that still sounds like a lot of money to me, and I suspect it sounds like a lot of money to your listeners who are trying to stretch their funds to pay their mortgages and tuition bills and food bills. And you run into some administrative costs straight away. First of all, there's a fee to get on the ballot. And uh, you can reduce the fee really? if you have shoe leather and you're willing to stop people on their way to the food store and say, I'm Doug Kamek, I'm a teacher, I'm running for Congress, can I have your uh, signature to, uh, um, to, to just get on the ballot so you can hear what my point of view is? I'd say five out of ten people would say yes, 
and they'd be very encouraging. The discouraging part and something that I think we need to work on as a citizenry is sometimes we just don't take the time of day to give somebody the the little bit of listen it would take for that. We, we're worried about we're going to be sold an encyclopedia or maybe this guy is going to want a handout or something and and you know so we they don't so folks don't stop um my advice is stop uh and uh, you know give give your fellow citizens the, the time of day especially if they're saying to you they want to be of service to others and uh, find out how ask them a few questions there's nothing more encouraging when you're out in a campaign like this when your fellow citizen uh, takes that interest in it um we also have to be especially on guard about what we're teaching our young people and about the importance of government and not to be overly cynical when things don't go our way. Because I heard far too many times, Lisa, from uh, from a young person, oh, you know, I'm not registered and I really don't care to be registered. Wow. I mean, to think of all the sacrifices our grandparents, parents, brothers, sisters, mothers and fathers have made in uniform uh, for the freedoms that we have and possess and have somebody say, oh, I'm not interested in that gift. There's something terribly wrong with that. And um, uh, one way to, one very easy way is just when you're down at the DMV and you're getting your license renewed, just make sure you're up to date in terms of your voter registration so that your voice is heard. Um, one other curious thing about expenses is that after I did get on the ballot, uh, they said, well, would you like to have a 250-word statement that could explain yourself to uh, to your uh, potential constituents? Well, 250 words for a law professor is sort of <laughs> like saying hello. And uh, But I... I got it down to 250 words, and I handed it in. They said, all right, that'll be $4,957. And I said, say what? Uh, And you think these little booklets that come, you know, from the registrar are free, you know, and uh, or paid for by taxes. And I suspect they really should be because this is another one of these fences that shouldn't be erected. Uh, to keep somebody of modest income from running, uh, and the and the fee varies. It can be you know into multiples of what I just mentioned, but right there, you know, but the, the two sets of fees just to get on the ballot were close to seventy five hundred dollars, and that's a big discouragement from getting people to step up. But what's the advantages? What, what do you learn when you do this besides the fact that it costs money? Well. One, you learn where the origin of this money problem is, and that's a whole couple of lectures on Supreme Court jurisprudence, but the short and the long of it is the court created this problem for us, and we can, through litigation, get the court to to straighten it out. And if not, we do have a provision in the Constitution that allows for amendment, and uh, if a court is unwilling uh, to allow reasonable limits on public uh, uh, or, or spending for campaigns, we can provide for them as other countries have. And third, you know, there's something, as we've been talking about, that is in us at the moment that is looking to divide 
rather than to find the common ground. And we need mechanisms built into our deliberative process, our legislative process, where the other side has to basically understand and show that they understand the arguments against them. Uh, so that it's not just enough to come in and say 50 times, I want to repeal Obamacare. One has to say, here's the difficulty I see with the president's reform, and here are some specific ways in which it can be improved or made more responsive to the quality requirements that we're going to need for uh, health as we go forward. Uh, We all know in business or in education or even in the household, unless we, you know, have a to-do list that ranks the priority of things that are important, unless we set deadlines for ourselves, things don't get done. We're procrastinators. It's part of our nature. And again, the Constitution is designed to address the strengths and the weaknesses in our nature. Well, the Constitution provides for the House of Representatives to have internal rules. And those rules right now are far too lax. They allow for uh, the nominations of of, uh, officers to be disregarded. The president makes nominations to the Senate. Senate has no obligation to get back to the president on that. That means the laws are going unenforced. Um, There are ways in which uh, these fiscal deadlines, as everyone knows, are disregarded, and that costs us money in terms of the evaluation of the nation's credit. These things all can be addressed quite reasonably and quite practically by internal House rules and... um, That doesn't require an amendment of the Constitution. It just requires electing responsible people who are going to meet uh, their obligations once they're elected. And um, so that's the task in front of us. It's a task that's not insurmountable because we see in other other countries uh, that uh, uh, ways in which these rules have been implemented uh, that have formed a government. So we have to stop thinking that every time President Obama does something, he's only doing it for the Democrats. You know, when the election's over, we're supposed to form a workable government, said the founders, uh, out of the people that we've selected. We're not supposed to stay in our training camps and pretend as if this is just one World Cup match after another um, (laughs) without a common objective. And uh, so we're, we're a little bit short of the mark at the moment. Uh, I think we're depriving ourselves of a great deal of talent because uh, men and women of, of modest means are excluded. Uh, but, the, uh, but what needs to be done is quite obvious. And uh, if the people uh, take an interest in it because of programs like this, it will happen. Let me ask a couple of questions. I'm curious what role social media played in your campaign and if you found it to have positive or negative effect on it. Well, uh, social media is, uh, is, is part of virtual reality, uh, or, and uh, virtual reality can, can fool you sometimes. Uh, it can make you think that you're talking to millions or thousands or... You, you, you know, you're, you're putting things up on the website 
you're excited about them, videos or commentary or um, outlines of proposals, and they're there. But if there's no reason for anybody to trip over your website, then it's really kind of talking in a silent room. So one of the things that um, has to be mastered if one is going to use the social media is ways in which you can attract people to to the site. And sometimes it's there's the the gift of the pitchman, you know, that uh, the marketeer that has to be drawn upon. And not everybody is comfortable with that. In fact, I think yeah. many people are uncomfortable, including myself, with that because it starts to look a little bit carnival-like. Um, but... You know, sometimes you got to have a snazzy title on the cover just to get the book to be read. And it's more important for the book to be read than it is to uh, observe some kind of formal requirement that uh, the title has to, you know, be five words rather than six or something like that. So the um, the only other downside I see in terms of social media is... Uh, we have a tendency when we're not talking face-to-face to be overly harsh with our brothers and sisters. Uh, you can see this in the comments that are made to news articles and uh, other things. There's a kind of, there's a kind of attitude that uh, one finds among the blogs. It's not an attitude of charity. It's an attitude of uh, let me at them kind of thing. We are out of time. I, I, we're going to have to have you come back because I want to learn more about the campaign, about your discoveries, and I want to know, and just hold the thought, because you will have to come back if there's a documentary film in the offing based on this, because it sounds like it would be a great one. To learn more, please visit www.comec2014.com. That's K-M-I-E-C 2014.com. On Twitter, it's at Doug Kamek, and on Facebook, it's AMB period connect here are a few thoughts before we part happiness is not a destination it cannot be bought sold or traded happiness will never invite you to the party happiness